All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Difficult Conversations by Supply the Why. I'm Dean. I'll be your conversational tour guide this evening. And tonight, we're kind of taking a different twist on a difficult conversation. We're going someplace that we haven't gone before, and we're talking about a new phenomenon called the Great Resignation. So I recently became aware of this, that this was actually a thing. It's like it's, it's like anything else. Like you see it happening, you feel it happening, where people are lose, leaving jobs and professions are losing people quicker than they can replace them. And I recently uh, became acquainted with with a young lady who uh, has a level of expertise in this subject, and she wanted to come on and share some of that expertise with all of you. So without further ado, let me go ahead and bring up Kaisha Zebley. Kaisha, how you doing? Hey, Dean. I'm doing great. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's, the pleasure's all mine. I... Um, I was just saying that I, how I found out that you had this level of expertise is I saw a post of yours on LinkedIn and um, you know, it's like anything else you scroll, you scroll, you scroll and every day, every once in a while you find something that gives you like an aha moment and your post gave me one of those aha moments. We connected and, and here you are. So the great resignation. So that's what we're going to be focusing on tonight. But before we get there, tell us about your, your background and, uh, and, and why this is something that's near and dear to you. Great. Well, I'm so glad that we connected through that LinkedIn post and, and that it gave you um, some, some things to think about as far as this phenomenon that's happening. And a little bit about me, I've been in law enforcement for over 20 years. I started my career in a really small rural community near where I grew up. And I'm now working in a metropolitan police department in southeastern Pennsylvania in a really diverse and interesting and unique uh, setting. So I've had some really unique experiences. And I see even with my agency, as well as neighboring agencies that I'm familiar with, uh, that the challenge with the recruitment and retention. So I'm happy to be having this conversation tonight. Well, that's exciting. So let's dive right in. Great resignation. What does that mean, and how do, what does that how does that pertain to different industries? Well, the great resignation has really garnered a lot of attention after the pandemic, when many employees were pushed into a remote working situation, and there there were so many challenges that everyone was facing. A um, lot health scares, losing loved ones, and just a realization that you can't take a lot of things for granted. So as people were home, maybe gaining new skills, using LinkedIn learning or completing that online certification or even degree program while they were at home waiting out this pandemic, they started to see other skills that they may have and started to recognize more about their workplace that they wish perhaps was different. And uh, some employees began requiring a return to work as the pandemic began to wane and and people decided to take their futures into their own hands, whether that meant changing careers altogether or even making a foray into entrepreneurship or a combination of the two. So having said that, so people are being ordered back to work because again, we saw this, maybe you and I didn't see it as much because being first responders, we didn't get that luxury to be able to just work from home and, uh, and tell everybody that crime called in sick. We still had to go in, but other folks 
How did you see this affecting their their viewpoint towards their job? Did it kind of give, was there a bit of a power shift where people that were working from home are like, hmm, maybe I don't need to make this commute every day. Maybe I can get a lot of this work done and have a better work-life balance. Talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. There was a power shift. Um, Families who had young people at home, they saw how much of a significant impact being at home or having work schedules that were more suitable to working families were. Uh, That was just one element. And, And like you said, law enforcement and other people in public service type sectors didn't necessarily have the benefit of that remote work element that that contributed to the great resignation. But some other things that we did have is we saw friends and family members being able to make shifts. We also realized ourselves as we confronted some of these challenges during the pandemic and all of the other challenges that came along with the with 2020 that our profession faced. Um, it gave people a second look and uh, individuals who may have had enough time in to consider retirement sooner than what they traditionally would have decided to leave their roles in, in their public service jobs, even though they hadn't been working remotely, but to then pursue something else. Uh, so there was absolutely a, a shift in the power dynamics. I agree. Now, you spoke a little bit about, about what we do for work. Uh, for those of you that have, that have followed Supply the Why, you know, obviously, that I am in law enforcement as well. And I have to believe it's probably the same with the trades as well. When a police officer retires, especially if it's abruptly, it's not like we can walk over to the cop tree and pick a new cop off and say, all right, you start in two weeks. It takes anywhere from, uh, anywhere from nine months to sometimes a year and a half in order to identify, vet, train and hire and all that a a new police officer and get them street ready. So is that also uh, part of the problem that we have people that are leaving professions that require all this, all this extra training that are leaving quicker than we can get people up to speed? Absolutely. And you spoke to the challenge with onboarding new recruits to the police department. Um, There are, there are young people who are interested in joining the profession, but then they have to go through the police academy. And if that's not a factor, if that's something that they've already completed, the onboarding includes background investigations, psychologicals, physical uh, examinations. These things take, like you said, months upwards of sometimes a year and replacing also not just the person, the individual, when you have an officer or uh, sergeant or or above who has spent 20, 25 years in a police department, replacing that institutional knowledge is a whole entirely different conversation. As our police agencies and organizations throughout multiple sectors are losing folks with lots of Um, experience and knowledge and skill set. There's no easy way to replace that institutional knowledge. So million dollar question, what can we do to kind of curb this? Because obviously people are always going to retire. People are always going to get an outline of work. People are going to get hurt um, or worse. What can we do to keep people in this profession and others that are having the same issue? 
That is a million dollar question. And I think if you and I answer that, we'll be on our way to something. But I think I would like to give uh, some ideas that I have. Please do. Um, Please. So the, the article that or the post that I wrote on LinkedIn that you uh, spoke about at the beginning of our conversation that was sort of the introduction of you and I, I've written that article being inspired by another conversation that I saw that asked about toxic work cultures and what would you tell your younger self if you were in a toxic work culture. And um, one of the things that I mentioned in that post was that we're seeing internal influences on the great resignation, particularly in law enforcement, um, as much or even more than external. So there's been a lot of talk about the, the, the year of 2020, where there were all sorts of um, challenges that law enforcement faced. In addition to the pandemic, came lots of protests and civil uh, disorder and things like that, that a lot of folks blamed for the uh, the exit of many, many officers from the police department. But what I have read and what I have found and what I've seen myself is that there are also external uh, internal factors even more so and even the uh, the Justice Institute's numbers show that the factors that a lot of people state have much more to do with um, than 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 the external factor. So, Kaisha, can I just stop you right there? Can you can you give a couple examples of some of those factors, what they might be, and how we can identify them? Sure. So, one that I mentioned was toxic work culture. Mm -hmm. And we see that in law enforcement. We see that in every other sector. And uh, we look at these generations that we're working with. We're in a position now where we have multiple generations working together. And some of the things that our generation and our parents' generation tolerated in the workplace, this younger generation just simply is not willing to tolerate uh, an expectation of working long hours, um, incentivizing, you know, pay and overtime. This new generation isn't as interested in that. They they value their time more. They value their personal time and being home with their families more. So one is a toxic work culture. Two is this failure to uh, to have a clear path to either. Uh, promotion, leadership opportunities, um, to use the skill set that you came to a role with or that you gain while in that role, education or all, your own self-improvement, now not having an opportunity to put those skills to use. So um, a failure for your skill set to be identified and recognized and utilized. And, and another, which... Um, which, which I also alluded to was just people want a better work-life balance and leadership in agencies and organizations are still slow to catch on to this need for, uh, to, for a better work-life balance. Aside from EAP and aside from um, some of the window dressing, but truly caring about your employees uh, balance between work and home and how that affects how they show up in the workplace. All right. And EAP, you're referring to the employee assistance programs that are, that are uh, different entities have, correct? That's correct. All right. 
All right, so from there, I'm just going to break. Folks, again, if you're just joining us, this is Difficult Conversations by Supply of the Why. I'm here with Kaisha Zebley. Please, if you like this content, please like, share, and subscribe. And please uh, feel free to jump in the conversation. That's why we do these live. So George has a great idea. George says encouraging officers to pursue other areas of specialty other than criminal justice would be a good starting point. So that's pertaining mainly to police. Uh, George, I hear you on that, no doubt. Uh, I think also it would be nice if entities would incentivize, incentivize, incentivize degrees in some other areas besides criminal justice. Because it's no doubt, like, say, if you had a business degree, that that could be helpful to a law enforcement agency. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so um, that's a great point, George. Heidi has a great question. She says, how do you think the great resignation is affecting those that are still working in their roles? Do you think there is an unfair shift in workload? Ooh, yeah all right uh, he, that's a great point and she does that from time to time hey heidi uh. um absolutely i definitely think that those who are left behind in their roles in these uh organizations and police agencies are absolutely feeling the additional crunch and speaking of police agencies Specifically, not only is it the officers and, and employees that remain that are feeling the, the unfair shift in workload, it's the communities that we serve that are also suffering and feeling that shift um, and maybe a uh, less officers available to answer calls for service. Um, I just saw that in a community near Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania, four officers in a really small rural police department quit all at one time. And that was a significant blow to that agency where they had to implement a the state police patrolling that community. So now that's a community that is gonna have a uh, longer response time for emergency calls and probably a different level of service because you don't have your individual police agency that knows the community intimately responding to those calls for service. So, so, yeah. let, me, so let me do this, if I could just interrupt real quick. So let's step outside uh, the police, the law enforcement realm for a second. Mm -hmm. Suppose we are at a, uh, any, any business, we widget making business. All right. And somehow you have people that are still there. They've been loyal and they've said, you know what? I know there's a pandemic or this, that, and the other thing, I'm still going to come to work. And you have a certain percentage that say, you know what? I'm not going anywhere near that place. Should you be rewarding people that stay? Should you be incentivizing the people that stay? Or should you do what I've seen entities do where they are incentivizing people to come work for them? Like how is how would that be viewed by the people that have stayed there and been loyal throughout? Well, I think about that when I see a sign-on bonuses for for agencies um, and organizations that are having a difficult time uh, retaining and getting new employees. So if you are willing to financially incentivize a new hire, then I certainly think that incentivizing individuals who stayed and are loyal and are continuing to take on an increased workload makes a whole lot of sense. And in addition to that, perhaps asking your employees, what would they prefer? Would an additional um, monetary bonus be most welcome or would 
maybe compensation time, time that they can take off and spend with their families. Because again, a lot of individuals in the workplace now are valuing their time even more than uh, increased salaries. So asking those questions, I think that's a big part that leadership can play in, in retaining and showing appreciation to your employees that have stayed loyal. Ask those questions and see how best to incentivize them. That's a great point. Now we're going to do something I love to do. All right. I'm sure you've seen this before. We're going to devil's advocate a little bit. So now I am the owner of the business and you have now come to me looking for this bonus. And I say, Kaisha, I understand your point, but you're not able to get every weekend off like you want to. You're not able to get the time off and the reduction in workload that you're looking for. I can't get people in here unless I incentivize what would, do you want me to do? Would you rather me just uh, incentivize you and not get relief? Or would you rather me incentivize the position so I can get some relief, some relief in here for you? What would you prefer? So my, my renegotiation back with you as the CEO would be, let's find a happy medium. There has to be a way for both to, for there to be a both end. There has to be a way for me to get some relief by having an additional employee hired and also incentivize my loyalty and allowing me to take uh, to have a four day work week doesn't necessarily cost you anything as a CEO. So you can utilize that monetary uh, incentive and sign on bonus for the next new hire while allowing me to have a four-day work week. That's our negotiation. That's a great solution. So trading time for money? Absolutely. Okay. We do that anyway, right? As we're showing up to our nine to fives or three to 11s, whatever it may be, we are already trading time for money. So I think employees that are in that position, they have to up their negotiating game. All right. You heard it here, folks. Hit Kaisha up on LinkedIn. She can help you through this. All right, we have another question in the chat. How do you get how do you get organizations to get away from the toxic workplace environment? It's uh it's really it's not a matter of should they or they must. Like toxic work environments um in this day and age just folks are not sticking around for it. And the best way for leaders, for one to uh, be aware, is to have conversations with their uh, with their employees. Set out a time where you can have a coffee with the CEO or with whatever leadership uh, role there is, and then listen earnestly. Practice real, true, active listening, and then don't act out of um, sort of frustration because I've seen that happen as well. Uh, you know, a leader asks for feedback and then there be some sort of, um, you know, retribution because of honest feedback that was given. Take that feedback and see how it could best suit the employee as well as the organization. Um, and, you know, toxic work cultures include things where there isn't, there where there is a lack of communication where people just simply don't see themselves fitting in the in the growth of the organization, 
um, where there isn't confidentiality held. You know, and this goes beyond policing and other public service entities where confidentiality is a big deal. Um, individuals, employees, they don't want to hear their personal uh, matters that they have maybe needed to share with a with a leader being shared amongst their colleagues. So uh, that's another element of toxicity in our work cultures that really needs to not happen. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully that was uh, some helpful advice to that question asker. All right. That was a robust answer. I like it. So George is back. He says there is always the need, especially now for officers, just like folks in the private sector, to continue to better themselves. In other words, what you bring to the table has become very critical to our survival in the workplace now. Can I get an amen for George on that one? Amen to that, George. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. So there's, well, there's more because Heidi's back. All right. Not to be undone. Heidi says leadership is key. People will be loyal to a leader that they believe values them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, that's another, can I get an amen? Most definitely. All right. Well put. And George, one more time. It's like these two are having a back and forth. <laughs> Paying attention to the little things will also help improve the morale of your shift. In other words, showing appreciations and actions, not just words, helping to make officers aware that they're important to the success of the mission. Absolutely. All right. So, Kaisha, believe it or not, we're down to about nine minutes. So we've already passed through two-thirds of the show. Do you have any reaction to any of what George and Heidi said in regards to the overall workplace culture and how it should be viewed uh, by, by a leader? And by and by the employee themselves. Well, George mentioning um, bringing something to the table, I think that's really important. And there is no Let better. Bring time. that back up. There it is. There, there's no better time than now to uh, improve your skill set. And there's there's so much need in our workplaces today, whether it's in law enforcement or in the private sector. There, there are so many ways to improve yourselves. You can take an online LinkedIn learning class. If you are finishing up that degree, uh, go ahead and find a way to do that. And that's another negotiating tool. If your work schedule doesn't suit your ability to finish your education advancement, speak with your uh with your, you know, your, your manager, your supervisor about that, because you continuing to excel in your education journey only helps the organization to legitimize itself even further. And um, Heidi talked about leadership. And one, one thing that I identify is a really good tool for retention of some of your most quality people is mentorship. And you and I had a conversation a little bit about this, Dean. And I find that mentorship is oftentimes seen as, as a reactive measure, is seen as fixing a problem, a problematic employee or officer or what have you. But mentorship should be a proactive tool that's used to identify individuals who are excelling in a certain area and allow them to grow and contribute in a greater way. When, when an individual has 
personal satisfaction in the work they do, they will go to the end of the earth to do what's necessary for that organization. Uh, I see so often um, a square peg being trying to trying to fit into a round hole. Certainly, in our organizations, there are things that need to get done, and there can't always be individuals picking and choosing what they would like to do, what they would most prefer to do. But giving an individual an opportunity to operate in their zone of genius, to really excel, and for that to be done through a mentorship relationship that grows through the growth process, whether it's succession leadership, moving into a new role, a role in leadership, that's best for the individual and that's best for the organization. All right. Now I'm going to hold you up now. You said something that that it gave me chills a minute ago. You talked about something called a zone of genius. Yeah. I'm not going to let you speed past that. Put a little more meat on the bones. What is a zone of genius? It sounds amazing. I want to be there. Well, a zone of genius is where an individual is able to, to, to perform at their highest level doing something that they're, that they're really skilled in and knowledgeable in. They are really utilizing those skills to the best of their ability. And it is giving an organization or an agency an opportunity to capitalize on that for the greater good. So everyone, everyone is in a winning position, the employee, the employer, and whatever sector of folks that you serve, whether it's a community as a police officer or it's a, a customer or a client in a private sector. Everyone wins when an, when an employee is able to act in their zone of genius. All I can do is smile. I like that phrase so much. I'm uh, going to have to use that, but I will give you the proper credit for that. That's outstanding. So, Mike, we agree with you. She, Mike says she's good. All right. Thanks, and, and, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so we are down under four minutes. So this is the part of the show where, again, if anybody's got any last-minute questions or comments, try to squeeze them in. Um, we'll have Kaisha answer them. But while we're waiting, please tell us what's important to you, what special projects, what what do you have going um, in your life, and, and how can people follow you? So first, you can follow me here on LinkedIn and um, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. I'm Kaisha Zebley, K. Simone Zebley. My name is not the easiest to spell, but you'll see it right there on the screen. I would love to connect with you. And if you are the leader of a, a, a police agency or private sector where anything that I've said, you feel you could utilize it in your own agency, whether that's in coming to speak with uh, your folks or maybe coming up with a plan that helps with your recruitment and retention efforts, I'm happy to help. And uh, just really grateful, Dean, for the opportunity to have this conversation with you. I think it's timely, it's important, and I love the work that you do on Supply the Why and, and really grateful for the ask. Well, I, if I had the ability to blush, I would right now. Um, <laughs> I appreciate the praise. Uh, th this is the reason why I started doing this. Every time I have a conversation like this, every time that I go down a path, something that is um, is is new to me, something that's even maybe frightens me a little bit, I come out better on the back end. And that's the whole point of these conversations is, is to meet new 
uh, great people like you, great thinkers, people that, that want to have these deep conversations and make ourselves and society better with these conversations. So I thank you for, uh, for again, for putting that up on LinkedIn, because again, it just proves you never know who's, who's looking and you never know who needs to see what your message is that day. And apparently I needed to see it. So it looks like we have a little more in the chat. So George said the time is now for law enforcement officers to strive to be better, not just in specific areas of work, but also other areas to help us be well-rounded. All right. George was on to say, keep up the good work. All right. Thank you, George, for that. Thanks, George. And Diane says, thank you. This has been a great show. Folks, again, I can't thank everybody enough for coming on. I can't thank everybody uh, enough for for commenting and being part of this discussion. It's such an important topic. Uh, Please, again, if you like the content, if you like this conversation, please share it. Please get it out to people because people need to hear these conversations. They need to be part of them. And they need to understand that whatever it is they're going through, there's somebody else out there that's also going through these things. And there's people that are available to help talk you through it and to help maybe uh, help help you think your way through some of these some of these pitfalls that we're seeing in workplaces. So, Kaisha, thank you so much for joining us, folks. That's going to do it tonight. This has been a great episode of Difficult Conversations. Please tune in. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on all of your major podcast channels. Check us out and let people know what we're doing. So from everybody, from so from Kaisha and, and myself, thank you so much. Have a good night. And as always, hashtag supply the why. Thanks, Dean. Bye. Good night. Bye.